You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to The Authenticity Show if you haven't already done so, and find us on social media. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, find us on YouTube, and tell your friends about the show. Let them know you listen. This episode is devoted to poetry, specifically original poetry written by Carlos and Satch. They're going to share some stuff they've written and talk about it and uh, kind of show us that side of themselves. So let's all be good listeners. Good evening, Satch. Good evening, Mr. Carlos. And Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in my living room this time. We are. There's a cute dog um, crouched down looking at us with uh, loving puppy dog eyes, even though she's not a puppy dog anymore. Nope. Not not a puppy anymore. She just, um, she is just, oh, she just turned eight years old. Eight years old. Wow. It's a good little puppy. Hard to believe time flies like that. I know. Now she's got a drooping ear. A droopy ear. I know she's she's all fallen apart. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> for not a not a fun reason, but it's awfully cute. Yeah, it is adorable. You know, there 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 are good things about even tough situations. Even when your dogs have surgeries, and they get a droopy ear, the droopy ear is cute. That's true. And um, you know, it's it's probably worth mentioning that uh, as we're recording this episode, um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We are. And so when people are all locked up and kept away from each other, um, we have to you know, create, we have to create more. So that's, that's the silver lining of being stuck. You, you have to find new outlets for your energy. Yeah. And you know, one of the ways that I turn, um, situations that are less than positive into, uh, feel for growth or for a shifted mood. One of the ways I do that is through writing. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at some poetry tonight. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I know you've got some cool stuff I see, you know, next to you that you're going to read. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I have a few pieces that I'll share. Um, so let's let's get into some some poetry, shall we? Sounds good. Let's yeah. dive in. Yeah. Um, can I start? Yeah, please do. All right. So, by the way, for me and the poetry that I write, usually I write things that are quirky, things that are sort of humorous, but speak to some kind of deep principle. That's that's what I like to do. Um, not always. Sometimes I like to write things that are very short, and this is a very, very short one. Okay. And it doesn't rhyme. So that's important to know before I start reading it. Okay. It's called Hope for a Flat Belly. <laughs> okay. Because I've, I've had that hope many times. Currently in my current state, I have managed to get a flat belly right now. Fairly Good job. flat. Good flat job. enough. You're looking great. So this is an opportunity where this is one of those older pieces that I wrote. I'm able to look back on it and go, hey, look how far I've come. Yeah. That's right. Hope for a flat belly. Eat very little. Eat very little. Eat very little. Eat too much. Eat too much. Eat too much. Start again. Eat very little. (laughs) (laughs) Very zen. Yeah, yeah. There there tends to be a, a... a Zen aspect to the pieces that I write. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when you had the impulse to write that? 
Like what you were doing, what you were thinking? Um, I think what it was, uh, I don't remember exactly. Uh, what I do recall is that I was dealing with the idea that it's perfectly fine to fail and then keep trying. Ah, okay. You know, f- failure is not a reason to stop trying. So if anybody needs to do something in life, they need to accomplish something, they have a goal that they're trying to meet and you blow it, it's perfectly okay to blow it mm. so long as you <clears throat> go for it again. And, and it was just harnessing some of that energy. We've said it before. I mean, you're engaging in a meaningful activity. Um, there's a chance of failure, but would you stop doing it because there's a chance of failing? Like, of course not. Yeah. You know, it's that whole... Um, Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, that's true. That's Until true. you get good at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a good frame. Um, good frame to have. And, and there's, <clears> also, <throat> there's also the cliche of, you know, if, if, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. You know, and that yeah. sort of becomes a rah-rah thing that you hear again and again. And the mind starts to dismiss things that it hears too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you sort of get used to this idea and you sort of say... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that a hundred times. So I think another thing that I was trying to do with that was say the same thing, capture the power of simplicity, but say it in a different way so that it had meaning again. Mm. Because sometimes, you know, you have to recapture the original meaning. Some of the greatest sayings that we have in, in our culture or in any culture are things that really were quite cutting edge when they first came out. And then time goes by and we forget how <clears throat> we forget how much power is in some of those things. You've got to mm-hmm. rediscover it. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, that the process of feeling an impulse to write something like that and then sitting to write it and getting it out and having a finished product at the end that you can look at, mm-hmm. does that cause a change in you? It does. It does cause a change in me. Yeah. Mm. And it, and it re-causes it every time I go back and read it. Hmm. Like time will go by and I'll forget. And then I'll go back and read it and go, oh yeah, did that come from me? Oh, that must be important. I must have needed that. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> my uh, magical thinking cap um, being firmly on my head at the moment, mm-hmm. um, I like to think of poems as a kind of evolving grimoire of spells for reality, mm. you know, ways of understanding reality that, that after a while you may modify the spell, you know, you may even decide that some spell is, uh, not worth spending any more energy on, you know, another spell might be something you think, Oh, I can develop this into something even greater than it was, but it's yeah. a magical act. You know, it's that whole idea of I'm creating with my words. It's that urge to create, that's going into it's all that feeling and all that desire to make something out of nothing and it's words that are cast out um metaphorically cast out you know through the physical writing or spoken actually cast out mm-hmm. you know with your breath mm-hmm. so it's a i like to stay in touch with that um metaphysical or let's say esoteric association with it because mm-hmm. I, I do think of it that way i think a lot about um, well, I think about sensual things a lot. I think yeah. a lot about, you know, our senses and how we engage with the physical world and the things that bring me pleasure. 
Um, but pleasure is the multifaceted thing. Like there's many layers to pleasure. We get pleasure um, from different things, not just a physical sensation, but um, the thoughts around it, the frame around it, the context, um, the experiential um, learnings that we might get, you know, from having that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we change, as we deepen, our ability to have a multidimensional experience where we're having an experience of something on many levels, that increases or it seems to. So I, I find that, that spoken word and poetry is an opportunity to play with that, to kind of engage that part of your sure. thinking mind, your feeling mind. Yeah, yeah. Together. It, it really is um, something that requires both sides of the brain, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you have to get in touch with both your inner artist and your inner scientist. You know, it's, it's gotta be logical and make sense grammatically. And you have to come up with rhymes sometimes. Hey, I just did it. Rhyme sometimes. See, you know, um, but you know, that, that, that interplay of being creative and yet trying to harness it and, and give structure to it and think critically about it and then go back to your creative well that constant back and forth is a really great training tool. Mm-hmm. And I, I find um, writing uh, either either poems or little sayings or little, little funny bits to be uh, just a wonderful practice. I would like to share one that also doesn't rhyme. Uh, most of my old poetry did not rhyme at all. Mm. Um, I felt that rhyming was confining. Mm. And then... There I am rhyming again, but I know, I know. you're <laughs> a pro, did there? You're a pro but, at prose. Yeah, pro at prose, exactly. But um, I kind of felt like it was more important to express the feeling that you're feeling in an unblocked way, as if you're tapping into a flow of something that pushes its way out of you and um, happens to be either grotesque or beautiful or profound or whatever it is, but it's, it's a flow that you can capture. Mm. That was the idea. Got, got it. Okay. And so yeah. I didn't rhyme. And then some, suddenly I started finding myself rhyming. Okay. It was more of a, an unconscious competence that started to happen automatically. And now when I write, um, it's not all unconscious competence. There's moments where I go, Hmm, what's going to rhyme with that? But then I step into flow again and I start rhyming. So the next one I'm going to share is just one that doesn't rhyme. Okay. It's some, some ideas. So this one's called Water Under the Bridge. On the cusp of something and nothing slid a river over concrete. It reflected strange light flowing eerily within a passageway into a vanished space below the surface. Present but present in another time that wasn't now. It was another place, not of this world, and yet it was all too real. Between times, married to neither the sun nor the moon, but somehow connected to both. The meeting point, a grayscale of misty balance, neither this nor that. What couldn't happen, happened. What shouldn't prevail succeeded. Was it because those lines between things became so pale and faded? 
The emergence of mysterious qualities only exists by way of a very rare alignment of destiny. Conjuncting perfectly opposing forces, dynamically positioned for a time, and within a matrix of structured silence, there is a reaction. Potent. Poignant. Poussant. The powerfully sparking dynamo affirmed it instantly. The magic was real. We sensed that sensation, that sense existed even where there may have seemed to be none whatsoever. We never step into the same river twice. And isn't that just water under the bridge? Was this lesson and all its wonder awash? Is impermanence the only takeaway? The source keeps going and flowing. We never really know till when, but isn't it gorgeous anyhow without changing a single thing? Isn't this what surrendering to higher love is all about? Wow. I was right there with you when you were having some discoveries. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Boy, you caught a lot in there. Creation, Mm -hmm. chance, you know, uh, permanence, impermanence. Mm. Where where were you when when you got this inspiration? I was experiencing angst. A lot of angst Mm. drives me to express, but I also feel that it's juxtaposed to, uh, to this feeling of, um, really intense, mystically, uh, pervasive feelings of intense love. Hmm. So isn't that interesting that there's angst and love and they're kind of like, you know, there's a bit of a polarity in between there, but in that moment I felt both. Yeah. It's like, love and sadness, um, a macrocosmic appreciation hmm. for the bigger picture and also an experience in the microcosm of feeling uh, desperate, hopeless in some ways and also feeling in awe of something really hmm. grandiose and beautiful beyond description. So here I am trying to describe this thing that I can't really put a finger on. I can't really describe adequately because if I do... All I'm doing is cheapening the experience in a way. I'm, I'm taking it down a notch when the way I'm really experiencing it is something beyond that. And I don't want to sell my own experience short because it's deep and it's, it's strongly felt. Mm. So that's where I was. Wow. Wow. And, and there are sometimes physical um, things around me. That very, very often when I write, it is metaphorical and there's a lot of symbol and association and things like that metaphor but it's based in something there's always places people things actions experiences that are stimulating and so for me when i read that i'm I, i instantly go back through a whole series of experiences that were related to that specific poem Mm. okay yeah wow um as you were describing you know where you were when you when you wrote that Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I had this sort of picture in my mind of a spectrum. Mm. You were talking about love and angst, mm-hmm. you know, and in a way that's one spectrum. 
you know, two opposite poles. And it almost seemed like you had stepped out of it long enough to see the entire spectrum all at once. Yeah. That's kind of the picture I got. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I had to in order to channel that into writing, mm -hmm. you know? Mm. Wow. Because otherwise I would have been stuck in the feelings and not able to actually get them out. Um, it's sort of like if you're yeah. standing somewhere on the spectrum, whatever the spectrum is that you're mm -hmm. standing on, right? And, uh, you know, a spectrum of light, dark, good, bad, pain and pleasure, whatever the spectrum is. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're standing in the spectrum, you can't experience the whole thing. You can only really experience where you're at. When you step out of it, you can see the beauty of even the painful side or the dark side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that was powerful. Gosh, I mean, the universe and water and <laughs> some, some references to Buddhism. Yeah. I was embarrassed by poetry when I was young. Ooh. Just totally. I mean, it had reading to be reading it or, or doing it. Oh, I mean, just in general, the, the whole idea of poetry just seemed like okay. embarrassing when I was young. Right. It wasn't until That's I, funny. I know it was, it was funny. Just the, like the idea of a poem would be like a poem. Oh, I could never read a poem. You know, I could never write one. Oh, let alone read one <laughs> uh, or even, you're not even allowed to like them. Right. That's kind of how it was. Yeah. Until I got into drama. Hmm. I was in high school and I got into drama and suddenly that changes you. And I found myself being very interested in, you know, the symbolism and things of, of what was written into a play or the meaning of a scene or an object in the play. And it was like a jump in consciousness. And I, I had that understanding that when one thing can represent something else, you know, like a, um, uh, a metaphor, or the something. idea of, of a symbol, you uh -huh. know, one thing representing something else, uh -huh. how powerful that could be. And I remember the, the first time it really hit me. Uh, I was actually a senior in high school. And I mean, of course, I had, I had had experiences, but but it was this one moment I can clearly remember right now mm -hmm. where it occurred to me how powerful words and symbology could be. Yeah. And, you know, the written word. And we were doing our winter play. It was A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene early on when uh, Stanley throws a package to his wife, Stella. And she's like, what is this? He's like, meat. And it was just, you know, a powerful moment where you realize they were telling you who this guy is. Right. Right. This is the hunter. This yep. is, this is, this is the bad boy. This is the alpha. Clearly. Right? Clearly. Yeah. I mean, just, just in that one line, what is this meat? you knew who Stanley Kowalski was. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was something, you know? <laughs> and now looking back on that, you know, I think, wow, that was the moment when that started to make sense to me. Wow. Wow. I was, boy, I was a late bloomer in that regard. I think my, my earliest interest in, in poetry was Taoist poetry. Yeah. Like reading the Tao Te Ching, you know, that, that really was, was something, mm -hmm. you know, that, 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 that really struck me. Um, Same. Same I started reading the Tao Te Ching when, I don't know, it was probably eighth grade, ninth grade. You know, admittedly that was, and I, this is funny, and I, I've told you this before, Carlos, the first book I ever read cover to cover was the Tao Te Ching. Nice, <laughs> nice. 
And then the second book I ever read cover to cover was uh, Zen and the Art of Archery. Ah. That was the first like book book that I read, like novel that I read. Because I think he loaned me Stone Monkey, Legend of Stone Monkey or something like that at one point. Didn't you read that as well? You know what? Somebody loaned it to me. And then you maybe lend it to And then it, I think I gave it to you. That might yeah. have been what happened. Yeah, I think like so. That. You may even give it to me as, as a birthday present or something like that. Did I? Okay. Yeah, I think so. And I remember loving that book. It was yeah. so interesting. Oh, it's a cool, cool little fantasy. You know? Yeah. I enjoy yeah. that. That was good. That was good. Um, so um, I'm going to read something else. Okay. Okay. So this one does rhyme, and I'm going to try not to stumble here. Here we go. This is called Living and Giving. Once a time, I bit into a lime. Its juice poured in my mouth. Ouch! You beast, the lime cried out and squirted me in the eye. Ah, my eye, you goddamn lime, you shit, you little sour. He said, you deserve it, you monster, you jerk. That squirt is my only power. Well, I'm a vegetarian. I have to eat somehow. You're healthy for my body, lime. I need to eat you now. You're full of antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals. You're plump with fatty acids and healthy polyphenols. I am a chemist who captures light and turns it into glucose. I eat dirt and drink from mud, and I make seeds on purpose. I didn't make those things for you to steal for your own pleasure. But if you must, I beg of thee, don't eat the seeds I treasure. Help me out and spit them out. To spread them on the land. Spit them in a fertile place. We don't grow well in sand. Sure, of course, I'll spit them out. It's the least that I can do. More trees with limes are good for me as much as they're good for you. And so I ate the lime that day and spit the seeds in soil. The lime became a part of me and loved and laughed and toiled. When I die, I swear that I will share my ashes in giving to an orchard full of limes so I can go on living. <laughs> That's really clever. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, did, did you write that in college? Uh, no, actually, I wrote that... Uh, it might have been... I think I wrote it last year, 2019. Okay. Yeah, I think I wrote it. I mean, all the references to polyphenols and minerals. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I, I was a little more learned Yeah, yeah by the time like I wrote it. this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's like, it's like one of those... Um, learning rhymes where you can, because I, I think of, of how many times you've um, shared a lesson from Chinese medicine. Oh, okay. That was a story you made up or a, or a song or, uh-huh. or some kind of like rhyming thing that you did to, to make it into a mnemonically um, absorbed idea, set oh, of ideas. sure, sure. And I love that. So anyway, <laughs> it's very cute. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. it was fun. Uh, you know what had inspired me? I, I do recall... Um, a while before I wrote that, uh-huh. I was reading some Khalil Gibran, one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and he was uh, talking about um, how humans basically have to kill to eat. Yeah, and he was explaining that well, since you have to kill to eat, basically make it like a holy sacrifice, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, he he just described it so beautifully, and I got to thinking about that, but more from the perspective of of a vegetarian. How would a vegetarian look at that? You know? Right. And then, I don't know, I started well, one page and that was it. That's very uh, fair of you to to accept that you vegetarians are murdering plants. Oh, we are. And all the vegetarians out there that say they're not they're not killing things, yeah, they're they better wake up. 
totally. Yeah. You're, you're, you're taking life. They're not woke vegetarians. No, they're, they're eating cells and making those cells turn into their cells. Yeah. And that's stealing. Yeah. But hey, you got to do it. You know, <laughs> you got to do it. Hey, the, if, if you died by a lime tree or a lemon tree or something, they, they'd, they'd absorb you. So <laughs> I can remember that. Here's another one I did that doesn't rhyme. Okay. Let's say this is a, another angsty love poem, but a way of me working through it. Okay. All right. All <laughs> You're right. going to be hearing a lot of therapeutic um, <laughs> stuff tonight. Well, let's purge it. Purge yeah. it, baby. Living love means loving living. Finding love means loving finding. Making love means loving making. Our spark expands with the instinctual ability to become the flame. This flame breathes. It consumes. It goes where there is sustenance because it is in its nature to thrive. Yet not all flames are destined to become an inferno. Not all flames can blaze brightly as a star or explode seemingly without limits to create new constellations around it. Each spark is part of a larger whole, a unique piece within the picture of a closed system. Some sparks fizzle and sputter and then grow silent. Forever a page, a paragraph, a sentence, or a word punctuating an epic. Seemingly, this spark makes no difference. No great tales of all-consuming wildfire. No blasting furnaces smelting ores into hardened alloys impossible to break. Indeed, some sparks are doomed to be forgotten. But all sparks, both great and small, share this in common. For sooner or later, there is no one to render the details. And maybe a lesson in impermanence is that no one is ever truly not enough, because each spark, both great and small, derive from the one great spark, the source. Too great for our limited perceptions to ever fathom and reason. Too subtle and broad to ever be contained within description. Each direction the attention goes absolutely reaches the nadir and the zenith only to arrive at the center. From my center to yours, from my spark to yours, I'm loving you. And I'm loving, loving you. Oh, that was great. It was like the Valentine's Day poem that I wrote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. I, I love how it simultaneously recognizes that um, not all romance is, or not, not just romance, but romance or any kind of love is, is not always meant for the long haul. Yeah. But... It's still legit. And not everybody finds it in this life. Yeah, yeah. Which is a sad thought, it to is. be honest. I know, it As is. As a romantic soul. I know, <laughs> I know. Me, that, me that too. That's, that's to think that, but... That's tough, you it's know. It's true. Um, one time I remember um, Swami Vivekananda mm -hmm. saying that you don't have to drink the entire ocean in order to know what it tastes like. Yeah. You just need a taste. Yeah. And your poem... <laughs> I so wanted to jump oh, on that sorry. comment. <laughs> what would you have said, Carlos? Oh, geez, I would have said that's what I say to all the ladies. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh mercy, yeah. Jesus. Um, <laughs> come on, honey. I just need a taste. That's all I wanted. So just a taste. Just right, right, right. Um, <clears throat> that's funny. Uh, 
So it's it's <laughs> here. Uh, I'm gonna pee. Yeah. To give you yeah. a chance to clear the, the mental palette. <laughs> the question is, will Oliver edit this or will he leave it in? Or will he make a song about it? You never know. So your poem was reminding me that um, even a little bit of love is still the real thing. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is Oliver to do? What is he going to do with this? Oh, mercy. Honestly, I have no idea what you guys are laughing about. Yeah. Oh, you'll enjoy it. (laughs) You'll hear it. Oh, shit. oh, mercy. You know, I think laughter is actual poetry. It is. Yeah. And it laughter is. rhymes because each sound is very similar to the sound that came out before it. So, I mean, I'm just saying. It's, That's true. There, there you go. Here we are laughing with our yellow tongues, That's our right. orange tongues. Because we, we had saffron. Yeah, Satch. So, so what did we drink tonight? Tonight, we had Tennessee honey whiskey that had about 20 grams of pure saffron in it. Mm. And we... Uh, strained it into a cup we strained a shot into a cup and then you added honey and hot water and it was just perfect tonight it was delightful why is this so good for us right now so saffron is something that of course comes more from you know the middle east it's known more as a middle eastern uh, crop Uh, it's just the uh the stamens that come from the flower and it takes a lot of saffron flowers to harvest even like, like one bag, like one pound of saffron takes something like, you know, a football field or something. To, it's, it's, wow. It takes a lot. And in Chinese medicine, it is a wonderful herb. It invigorates blood flow and it calms the heart and it sort of makes Carlos laugh, right? <laughs> it does. And, and this is true because yeah. um, uh, saffron does... Um, make you laugh. It does make you laugh. It calms the spirit and, and opens the heart and mind and makes you laugh. Come to think of it, um, our dear friend Tara, Dr. Tara Rasta, who yep. was in our episode uh, earlier, mm-hmm. um, she was telling me that her and her Persian girlfriends would drink saffron tea like really strong and they would just start laughing and laughing and laughing. Mm-hmm. She was saying it's kind of like a, a folklore thing that, you know, when you drink a lot of saffron tea, it'll make you laugh. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful because yeah. in Chinese medicine, laughter is the sound of the heart. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's perfect. So it was kind of nice that we did this tonight because we're reading poetry and it, you know the idea is it's a nice metaphor to get heart centered. Truly, to to read this stuff. So yeah. truly, all right. So I have a poem that's related to an astrological and astronomical event. All right. Um, it has some connections with. Um, you know, mystical traditions and thelema and various esoteric traditions, but it was uh, prompted by a particular event, which I'm I'm not remembering the exact name of it, but it was like a, a big deal. All the planets aligned. Or yeah, some yeah, kind of alignment. Yeah. Um, I, I just felt stimulated to write, to capture the moment. And it's called The Turning of Ages. Yesterday's sun was eclipsed, a finger placed upon lips. Drawn in, recoiled within the silence of it all, but letting, loosening, and surrendering to the fall. 
A serpent within the egg is coiled, a hermit's work silently toiled. Harpocrates centered thoughts like these, of sacred works and mysteries. An age has turned, the years have burned, as pages torn from the book. I dare not turn and look. What was then no longer is, and what is coming now as yet to be, I am present here and free. The past was swept away, and an inner voice called to say, What new thing arises within me? What is born from primal darkness now is free. It is a babe inwardly seeking, ancient, eternal, and wise beyond reckoning. I hearken to its limitless core, that stillness unfolding where the devas soar. At the enchanted edge of paraconsciousness lay the dreamy realms of your velvetness, floating in a star-filled space, serpent entwined thereon, the new moon's darkness face harnessing what I focus on. We want the ideas and answers to show up as logical, but deeper we're craving the truth which shows up as paradoxical. This is beyond expression, but the words point the way. It is never the words, but the moon which the words say. Each part plays its role in a grand interplay of forces, yet always opposing as if from different sources. Death, stasis, and rebirth are but shadows of something cyclical. They are patterns of life's shadow, revealing something mystical. Mm. I like how you um, captured... Um, the limited nature of words. You know, you sort yeah. of acknowledged in the poem that words are not going to cut it, yet there you are doing the best you can with these beautiful words. You know, come to think you of know? it, Satch, I yeah. realize that's a recurring theme. Is as it? You, now that you, you put it that way. Huh. Um, I think I revisit that idea a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, because, you know, you're, you're trying to capture something that is like bursting out of you. Yeah. You know, and you can't really capture that. No. I love how you mentioned that the words basically are just pointing the way mm -hmm. and that it's really the moon that's saying them. Yeah. You know, not, not the words talking about the moon, but the moon yep. expressing the words, you know, that was, uh, I love that idea. I love that idea. It sort of reminds us that art like this, um, is really coming from a special place. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amazing that we even have access to it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, it's, it's totally obvious, but I, I love playing with um, things that we've heard before that are kind of mm, sayings or aphorisms and then uh, borrowing a piece of it so that it leads your mind mm -hmm. towards thinking that you, you're going to be saying that, but it's really, it's saying that, but not in the way you expect it. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a like, I, I oh, love that. Yeah. Were you talking about the finger pointing at the moon, but okay. Uh -huh. You know, and yeah. It's, yeah. it's still saying the same thing, but in a, in a maybe a slightly surprised way. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, you're, or surprising you're, way. It's like you're paying tribute yeah. to something, but then making something new out of it. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Imagine an image of a dead black bird. An Got eerie it. image. Got it. Dark. Okay. I saw this and it immediately, I had to write. It just, it was so evocative. So anyway, here we go. Deathbird Shadow Play is the name of this. An image here captured for all to see, this shadow play shown most nobly. What once was risen above the earth is now committed to this dirt. Life and death asserts it, that none of us escape it. 
Earth of air becomes air of earth, all substance absorbed by turf. Feathers blown by winds once harnessed, nature witnesses her unsung noblest. No daily songs to fill the silence, no harmonies or aviary cadence. A final rest for the bird which flew, a feathered creature that no one knew. Hmm. That was my little ode to the creature that died. Wow. <laughs> oh, that was great. I love, uh, it's just kind of, kind of ironic how you mentioned that the, the these feathers that were once harnessing the wind are now being blown by it. Yeah. Yeah, and this, you know, some who don't have an esoteric background might go, air of earth, earth of air. Mm. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah, what's, you know, explain so, that. You know, the earth element as it decays and becomes um, unsolid mm -hmm. and the, the things that bind it together start to loosen, you know, the metaphor that's given or the, the ancient belief, I guess, is that the energies are dispersing and, and the elements are being reabsorbed by uh, nature, by the surroundings, right? And so it's as if it gets blown away because the things that were binding it together are now no longer holding it together, mm. this energy that binds it, this vital energy. So it's as if these elemental forces are transforming, you know, that um, the bird, which is airy okay. and had a solid body as the air of earth, okay. is now dead. And what made it unique, this ability to fly as a creature yeah. is now gone because it's now planted and dying and resting on the earth, breaking apart. And yet from that solidity is now able to be blown away and carried by the wind. Mm. So the elements can seemingly become one another. Yeah. You know. Wow. You know, yang is always becoming yin and yin is always becoming yang. Yeah. You know, it's, you just can never get away from it. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well done, Carlito. I like that one. Yeah. I think I'm ready for another one. If you got another one. Sure. Yeah. Let's I've hear got a couple it. here. Yeah. Um, this one's called, you've heard this one before, zero plus life equals zero. Mm, I have heard this. Yeah. Dreamily divided for reflections provided. What lies beneath are two images collided. Past cold sweeping winds of winter's breath severe stands the image of an image before the mirror. I'm staring at the gate of the infinite. I spy a light, singular and finite. As if blazing from afar, it twinkles like a star. Alas, it is a life doomed to fade, birthed long before I was made. But the blanket purple wonder cloaks and shakes me asunder, for I feel her rapture and hear her thunder. I remember, I am of her and I return to her. I was born naked and I die without shame, naked as a babe. Hmm. So I happen to know where at least the inspiration of the title came from. Zero plus life equals zero is something that our Tai Chi teacher would say, mm -hmm. you know, and um, boy, to hear him say it has, has a different meaning than to just kind of hear it. You yeah. Know? So um, could you give a little more insight into maybe decode that for people? Yeah. So it's this Taoist idea that We're born from this nothingness, which I don't think is really nothingness, but mm -hmm. 
primordial wuji, right? The primordial yeah. um, possibility mm-hmm. yeah. that is at the root of what happens um, is zero, represented by zero because it's a circle. If you think of zero, it's just like this representation of infinitude in a way. Mm. It's like a circle. What is it containing? Who knows, right? How big is a circle? Who knows? In reference to what? Compared with what? It could be infinitely sized, yeah, potentially, or infinitely small, you know. Yeah. Um, so zero. It's like we're born from this place. As soon as we're born, we have life. Zero plus life. But a life is doomed to fade. A life is doomed to return to death. It's to return to the source. So zero plus life ultimately equals zero because zero is bigger. Zero contains it all. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, when you're born naked, it's saying uh, for all the clothing that you put on and all the ego and all the ideas and all the identity and all the um, beliefs that you wear, they're like layers and layers and layers of clothing. At the end of the day, um, ultimately, it doesn't have the substance to last. It's impermanent. So mm-hmm. zero plus life equals zero. It's a recognition that should always remember. It's a bit like saying memento mori, they say in Italy, hmm. you know, remember that you shall die. Oh yeah. Remember death really, literally, yeah. um, which I, I love that a lot because mm-hmm. even though um, it may sound dark to a lot of people, sometimes we embrace the things that are dark for good reason mm-hmm. because we need it. There's something about it. And as you know, um, certain experiences can stimulate you to think deeply about things like death. Yeah, sure. And they can affect you in such a level that makes you want to, in a way, embrace some aspect of it. Because when when you reject something, you know, what you resist persists, right? And when you reject something, it's kind of like you're trying to push, you know, a ball into the water and it just keeps pushing back up with greater force. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot more persistent than you are. So at some level, you've got to accept death. Mm-hmm. So this is a graceful or an attempt to be graceful when embracing the idea of nothing and death and yeah. emptiness. There's peace in that. Yeah. There's a peace in that. It doesn't yeah, have sure. to be a depressing idea. It can be yeah. a peaceful idea. Here's one called True Love Double Bind. Late afternoon or early evening, laying in repose, feelings deepening. Cozy blanket laying upon sheets of grass, lover's lap holds this weary head at last. Within a clearing amidst a straggle of sprawling trees, gazing relieved of its purpose, seeing what the soul sees. Looking upwards through the gently billowing leaves, I see the deep blue sky which is inviting me. Behind the pattern of dendriform dance, green fractals quiver, the mind bows with trance. Beloved orange and white luminescence, freshness in the air, living green essence, shimmering like trickles of golden tickles down each branch and limb, an ecstasy of visions for the visionary mind to swim. Shining glow caresses my tired eyes, and dreamily I smell the skin on her creamy thighs. 
simmering sensuously by the light of the sun. I drift into surrender. My heart has won. Synesthesia seizes grateful senses. Each feeling affirms its focused lenses. O symphony of orchestrated delight, attune me to the source of your light. Gently kissing, reminiscing, relaxing warmth surrounded by gentle breezes. Our bodies are cradled and time freezes. I drink thee within, sacred ambrosia. I surrender to my muse, anima. Drifted now into this expanded awareness, my heart knows this magic and it's timeless. Ever may I choose from options as these, everlasting love or deepest peace. Hmm. That ending was not what I expected. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> that that threw me for a loop right there. I mean, yeah, so you, you almost <laughs> you have to pick between one of two excellent things, but there's, there's a price to pay. Yeah. <laughs> either either way you go though. It's good. It's going to be good. That's the other way. That's right. That's yeah. right. You know, just... I was getting kind of a moody blues kind of a vibe from it. You know? oh. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I feel like you should be um, performing that with the London Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> That'd be cool. Oh, that was great, Carlos. Wow. Were you uh, in a physical location that inspired some of that? Yes. I was. I, I, I mean, like, were you out in nature? That's, that's what I mean. Yes. No, I, <laughs> I realized that you weren't asking, was I in a physical location? Period. Yeah, well, yeah, well there was the creamy thighs line, yeah. so, you know, but, it could lead yeah. people astray. No, no. Um, I think I would love to share that, that, that this was inspired by an idea that helped me to tap into um, my resources at a time when I really needed it. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So I went through something um, that can only be f- phrased as truly horrific, mm-hmm. and when I emerged from that, I was not able to tap into any sort of peace or, you know, prayer, meditation, positive thinking. No eyes closed processes. Nothing. Not even mindfulness. Nothing. Mm. It was just so grotesque and terrible. The the experience mm. that. Um, I felt trapped by my own Mm. consciousness and unable to escape from the difficulty. So um, a couple of really lovely ladies who were um, psychologists, they were um, that work with kind of Jungian sort of archetypes. And so, you know, my cup of tea, right? Yeah. Uh, I was uh, in a workshop with them and they offered this really beautiful advice um, to me that, that really just stuck. It was simple, but when they're asking me to connect with something that feels safe mm. inside, mm-hmm. um, I was saying, oh, I, I, I can't because I've been trying for, for a while now. And it's just, every time I close my eyes, I'm having this terrible experience. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of facilitated me. They did something that, you know, I would do in an NLP course, you know, it's like, it's, it's absolutely good technique. You know, she, she just kind of connected with me and and asked me, well, when was the last time you did? Cause you did at one point, right? Mm. And what was that like? And where were you? And she kind of got me distracted enough to kind of remember that moment. And she said, what happened when you remembered that? Was that okay with you? Nice. You know? And, and so I realized in that moment that, well, yeah, I, I went there 
for a moment to describe it. It uh, was okay. I didn't have a panic attack or whatever. Uh, yeah. And um, she, so, so, so what she just encouraged me to do is she said, just use that as your anchor. Use that as your, your gateway into peace. So if you ever want to do any kind of healing process, start with that image. And the image was this. Beautiful green leaves with blue behind it, the mm. sun laying on my lover's lap. Okay. Yeah. That image is so nourishing to my heart. I can't even tell you. Mm. And it, I've experienced it a couple times with uh, yeah. lovers of mine in the yeah, past sure. at times. Um, but the key was just kind of like there's this moment when I'm laying in my lover's lap where I'm able to like be in a, a clearing or a field and look up and see the you know, the moving leaves yeah. in the air and the, and the, and the blue shining or, or kind of coming through the green. Yeah. Um, there's something so soothing to my nervous system about that mm. and feeling that my head is lying on my lover's thighs, that mm. it's just that whole kinesthetic visual experience for me, mm. um, puts me in a really wonderful, peaceful oh. space. That's lovely. It's a jumping off point for wow. other things for me. It's Puts me in a nice space just hearing you talk about it. Yeah. It's really wow, soothing. Wow, that's awesome. So that was what that was about. Wow, that's that's um it's helpful to hear you describe that because it brings even more meaning to the poem. Yeah. You know. Um yeah. Um and equally it's kind of interesting to not know the meanings and mm -hmm. wonder where it takes you. Mm -hmm. That's also interesting too. I always, yeah. I like both, you know, it's like nice to hear it and just go, wow, wow, that's, I went somewhere, wherever yeah. that was. Yeah, that was somewhere. Came out of the void. It came out of the void. Yeah. So this is called a somber night stroll under the moon. I am breaking down in the darkness yet. It continues seeking fractured walls as adversarial avenues. No road of rage nor lane of shame, alone on melancholy lane. I walked all night in order to sleep, then dreamt of you and woke from the deep. Vividly seeing, feverish reeling, aghast with shock and hardly believing. That lamp that was lit continues its burning, the only flickering hope to soothe my yearning. Give me sight and sound and feeling flight to soar with the angels sparkling bright. Gazing into open spaces between, the two not touching, but resonating. Make haste with your fearless light of living love. Open the way of peace, thou white and magical dove. Why not make room in my heart for what belongs, resonating with her for whom my soul longs? Expanding openly into unknown territories, I explore lovingly while authoring new stories. I cannot explain the value of these cards in my hand nor how to play them wisely when I do not understand. Accepting what is for whatever lesson, ancestral karma's aching for expression. Blasting anahata, pure, clean, and stainless, unstruck steel shining, unhurt, and painless. I am that I am, and that's all that I am. Chanting seed mantra inside the heart's ashram. You crack my soul open, Leo Luna. Would that I'd have the heart of the Buddha. Hmm. I'm not even sure what to make of that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I, I hear you read that and 
I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to and yeah. uh, maybe a little bit uh-huh. for some of it, uh-huh. but there's something about an authentic thing that still strikes you anyway. Mm-hmm. So it struck me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously, um, you know, revisiting there's yeah. angst in that, right? There's, there's angst in it. You know, yeah. Yeah. Aghast with shock, you know, yeah, exactly. um, yeah. I'd certainly felt that at that time. Yeah. But I also felt yeah. incredible love in spite of it. Right. It was like, right. like I felt wounded, but at the same time, I, I just was still, I was still very much not giving up. Yeah. You know, just like, yeah. this is who I am, love. And regardless of this discomfort right now, yeah, uh, yeah. I want to stay here and I'm, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm melancholy. I'm sad. Yeah. But yeah. I know that this could be something that opens my heart ultimately. Mm-hmm. That was with the whole anahart, uh, the anahata, you know, the heart chakra and okay. I am what I am, right? Well, that's yeah. the, the seed mantra for, for um, when you chant to open the anahata chakra is yum, which is usually spelled yum. Y-A-M. Okay. Yum. Yum. And uh, so that's the sound that you chant when you're trying to open your heart chakra. Yeah. And I am that I am is a reference to the Bible as well, the, the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, I am yeah. that I am. Yeah. And of course, Popeye. And there's Popeye, but, exactly. But still. And there know. are yams. There involved, are yams. You know? <laughs> Plain old yams, you know? Yeah. Right All sorts right. of references yeah. there. Yeah. Quoting a yam. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, man, that was beautiful. I mean, some of the imagery made sense to me. So, mm-hmm. sure. you know, it was... It was uh, and I hope it doesn't powerful. all make sense to you. It doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't, which is good. It. Yeah, I did that's, not that's want the it idea. to. It, and it doesn't yeah. have to. I wanted it to make sense to yeah. me. Yeah. It still gave me a feeling. Yeah, that's you know? great. It still totally gave me a feeling. Um, <clears throat> let's like, see. Like your dog's giving me a feeling right yeah, now. Yeah, Percy's staring at she her uncle. She is so sweet. She loves Uncle Carlos. I love how she just comes over and hangs. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read a very short one. Okay. I'm inspired by your courage. Okay, <laughs> cool. Hero me? No, hero you. Sure, famous me, but painful you. Tired me, beautiful you. Happy me, cries for you. That's called autobiography of a marriage. Wow, that's insightful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for for those who know, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. So, short wow. one, but you know, made sense to me. Um, there's, th- th- it isn't haiku, but there's something. That reminds me of haiku with those yeah. short ones that you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like there's an Asian feeling in it. There I don't know how to say that any other way other than yeah. we've been raised around a lot of Asian stuff, you know, and it feels like there's a real flavor of that. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of my short ones are like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're either either more entertaining, like like a, a monologue uh-huh. or they tend to be more uh, short, quick to the point, something deep, something insightful. Um, <clears throat> so uh, here's another one that's similar to that. Okay, cool. Okay? Taking care of every need, grief for parts long gone, love for parts still here. I need peace, but please live on. Mm. That's called MS. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I know what that's yeah. about. You know what that's about. Wow, yeah. I just felt that in my heart. Yeah. So, wow. Mm, well, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you gave me a little, little courage to, to share those. Thanks for sharing so, that. Yeah. That's really, yeah. really sweet. Yeah. Satch, I wrote something recently, just the other day, in fact, um, while I was on a walk. And um, 
it could be because of their, our circumstances, we might not be able to exit the house for walks and things like that. Yeah. I don't know. I hope you know, that doesn't happen, but it probably will. Uh, and I was just kind of appreciating my neighborhood's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I live in Costa Mesa on the edge of Newport Beach, and there's the upper Newport Bay um, nature preserve there, the back bay. There's beautiful homes and great gardens and cool trees. And Yeah. <laughs> there was even a... Uh, there was an, uh, a man riding a skateboard holding a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. Oh, sh- that guy. I shit you not. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I didn't incorporate that into the poem. I, I thought about it, but I'm like, There's, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to put that in there. But it was literally one of the things that I saw that day. And I, I wanted to like write something poetic about how I appreciated my neighborhood and I really enjoyed going yeah. around and there's all this fear and... Why not just enjoy yourself yeah. to some degree? To some degree. I'm not suggesting right, people right. be um, unaware of what they should be aware of at all. I'm just saying within yeah. what's possible, appreciate what you got. Sounds good to me. Walking my neighborhood, my eyes get captured. Fascinated glances, my mind enraptured. In the moment, a world to see. Flowers and birds, people a tree. Wandering along familiar jaunts, pausing to pander to whimsical wants. Spending my time in this carefree way, affirming what emerges, life at play. Can we remember to piece together peaceful pieces in this stormy weather? Could we step into flow, trust, and connect? Allow aligning, observe, and reflect. A life well lived is never regretted. Achieving a peace multifaceted. We worry too much on many levels, running scared, fighting corona devils. We'll never know what will ultimately be, till the day happens that our spirits run free. Each stage ends without divining. When have we been less by dying? Why not live life with hope and creativity, making our days with fun in captivity? Mm, boy, that, that rings a bell right now. Right? Wow. All right, one more for now. I am still with you. You are still with me. Between us, this magic as far as our sight can see. When we're together, my spirit dances, shaking, twisting, stretching, arching trances. My knowing spans life and death, living love to my last breath. Time runs fast when time should run slow. Slow down quickly to freeze time's flow. Binding and bonding, breathing our will. Eyes that gaze make time stand still. We are on this road together, riding clouds despite the weather. Drawn to the core for absolute union, ecstatic Eucharist and sacred communion. Wow. When did you write that? Actually, I wrote that um, last week. Really? Last yeah. week? Yeah, okay. I wrote that one last week. Wow. Or maybe it was this week. Uh, anyway, t- time okay. is a... Well, since we've all been uh, you know, isolated at home, I, yeah. I, I can't even keep track of the days anymore. I know. I it's know. like there's just this, this one long day. Sometimes I just, just, just feel this intense longing, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, and if I don't express it, I feel like I'll explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it just needs to go somewhere. And... That's what happens. Yeah, paper's a good place. 
Paper's a good place. Yeah, not, not too bad. Mm, the original zip file. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> zip files for the heart. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is fun. Thanks that's for an album, too, Oliver. Yeah. What was it? <laughs> Sorry. That's an, <laughs> zip files for the heart. That's zip an album, too. Zip files for the heart. <laughs> it's an 80s rock band. No, not 80s rock band. Yeah. Early 2000s? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this was fun. Thanks for letting me share yeah. uh, some pieces. Definitely. Of me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. I I, I, I love doing this. Um, this. We've shared these things with each other over the years, and yeah. it was nice to kind of focus on it tonight yep. and do a lot of this. So uh, thanks for being a great listener. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. My name is Oliver Altine. I record, edit, and produce the show from my home here in Orange, California. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. This song is called Wedding Bells for the Dead, and you can find it on an album called Obsidian Kite. Please subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social media. And you can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening, and have an authentic day. (laughs) 